0: All right, welcome in everybody. Another edition of the Believe in Patriots podcast, right here on the Believe Podcast Network. Patriots two and one, getting ready for the unbeaten Super Bowl champion, Super Bowl favorite, Kansas City Chiefs. We're going to be joined by Jeff Fedotin, Pro Football Writers of America, and Believe in Chiefs host, as well as his co-partner on Believe in Chiefs, former Chiefs offensive lineman Joe Valerio. As always, the podcast brought to you by our friends over at Bet Online. Bet Online is the biggest gambling spot for you in all of the internet universe, and the internet universe is pretty big. From game spreads, totals, coaching props, it doesn't matter, over, unders, in-game, before game, look at it, next week, they've got everything. Head online over to betonline.ag to place your bet today. If I had to go for a spot this week, I'd be looking, I think, at Indy. Indy, minus two and a half on the road at Chicago. I know Nick Foles is hot. I know the Bears are reinvigorated. But I like what I've seen from the Colts. After a really disappointing week one loss, they've played pretty well. Colts, minus two and a half. Westgate Superbook, bet online everywhere. Minus two and a half. Colts over the Bears. Take it. Book it. Win yourself some money. To the podcast. About to hear is a presentation of the Believe in Patriots podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. All the news, opinions, and insights on your six time Super Bowl champion, New England Patriots. Now, it's your host, Pete Brady Farkas. Another edition, Believe in Patriots again here on the Believe Podcast Network. Patriots come into this one against the Kansas City Chiefs, the Super Bowl favorite Kansas City Chiefs, the defending Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs. They come in. At two and one. Before we get to our impressions on the matchup, Aaron Wells, our producer, is backstage. Camp Newton has the internet, the the football commentators, and the internet world going crazy with what he said earlier this week on WEEI in Boston.
3: And not to keep being a dead horse, this is the business trip to me. Uh, The fact that I don't have none of my children here in in Boston with me, and the fact that I haven't been able to see them on a regularity. That's angry in itself for me. I wake up every morning missing the hell out of my, my children and knowing that, you know, if I don't do what I'm supposed to do, then this could be good witness for me.
0: Cam says it's a business trip. He doesn't have his family with him. People are freaking out. What does it mean for the future? Is Cam not invested in a long-term thing with the Patriots? Is he just using the Patriots? Relax, people. This makes perfect sense. It makes perfect sense. You know, I feel bad for Cam, the family man. I feel bad for Cam, who's not around the mother of his kids. I feel bad for Cam, who's not around his kids. But there's that self-awareness thing again. We talk about this, it seems like every podcast. Self-awareness is a great quality to have. Cam recognizes what's in front of him. He says, if he doesn't play well, it could be, quote, good riddance for him. How could you not appreciate that in a player? A guy who's been humbled, a guy who, the the people who don't like him think he's arrogant. So he's been humbled, and now he recognizes it. He has humility. He knows that he doesn't have the same stature in this game that he had three years ago, five years ago, seven years ago. He knows that he needs the Patriots maybe more than the Patriots need him. How can you not appreciate a guy who says, look, I'm willing to, We, we want our athletes to sacrifice everything to win. And isn't the ultimate sacrifice not being around your family? I mean, all we did about the NBA bubble and a potential baseball bubble was say, how will these guys be without their family for three, four, five months? This is what Cam's doing. He's sacrificing everything to try to get back to the top, to try to help the Patriots stay at the top or get back to the top. And he knows he needs this opportunity. What is there not to like about this? It is a business trip. It's a career-saving trip. And, if he's willing to put everything aside for this opportunity, you should respect him, the player. You should respect where he is in his career and that he recognizes it. And you should respect the fact that he's there trying to help the Patriots because helping the Patriots helps Cam and helping Cam helps the Patriots. And it's a good cycle right there. And it doesn't mean anything about his future, by the way. It was smart to do this there's a pandemic going on. School situations are weird. Different places have different regulations. Okay. He has no idea what the future is going to hold. He's got young kids. Okay, This is hard to do to them. The, the, we all think that athletes have this cushy life and in a lot of ways they do, but take it from someone who moved a bunch and he was young. It's hard to rip kids away from comfortable situations and place them in new ones and then just shuffle them around the country for their entire youth. It's not fair to do to kids. So good for Cam for when he doesn't know what the future holds, giving his family some stability. No, they don't have their dad, but they have stability in a lot of other ways in terms of comfort factor, school situation, friend situation, things that they're used to. Good for them. Ian Rappaport of NFL Network, he was talking about, by the way, that an extension doesn't even make sense for the Patriots right now. Aaron, let's hear Ian Rappaport, number one.
1: You know, from the Patriots' side, um, you know, they really haven't been a team that's jumped out there and done some, you know, really, really early extensions, unless it's going to, you know, benefit them like, like crazy. You know, there's been a couple offensive line extensions I know they've done that have been very team-friendly. But, um, you know, I, I think when it comes to the Patriots, they really like to wait and see where Kim is physically.
0: They want to see where Cam is physically. It's the right move for the Patriots. I think that if Cam stays healthy and plays well, he is an answer for the Patriots for the next two to three years. And I think they can give him good money to do so. I said three years, 90 million a couple of podcasts ago. If he stays healthy, plays well, they get to the playoffs. They show some more, you know, continue to be dynamic on offense. I can see Cam being there for multiple years. However, if Cam isn't healthy or Cam peters out, then... Why would you want to rush into it? And Rappaport continued that, by the way, this doesn't even make sense for Cam to talk about an extension right now.
1: You know, let's say he's playing well midway through the season. The team offers him an extension. Well, it's the Patriots. They always go to the playoffs. And when they go to the playoffs, sometimes they go deep in the playoffs. Would he agree to some deal midway through the season and possibly stun his own value, not knowing what he does on the biggest stage. I mean, I'm not sure it makes sense for
0: either side. So listen to what Rappaport is saying. Cam has played three games now and has played generally well and has been accepted as being back, being all the way back, and being a viable franchise quarterback again. Now that he has reestablished his value, why would he want to shortchange himself? If he takes a deal now, then yes, he's taking some security, but if he continues to play well and gain respect around the league, he will have sure changed himself. Now that he has shown himself and everyone else around him that he's physically back, that he's capable of adjusting, that he's capable of being humble, that he's capable of getting along in a different city and a different coaching staff with different teammates, he should consider it that the sky is the limit. Go and see what happens. Go see what happens in the playoffs. Give yourself an opportunity to make your your value skyrocket even further. And If Cam was offered a deal after week one where there's still – Okay, he looked good, but we're not sure. That's one thing. But now, three weeks in, he has shown you he is good. Not only is he good, he's really good, and he's been healthy and he's been able to adjust in situations. Now, Cam can just bet on himself. And I think he should, because even if it wasn't the Patriots, he's shown enough teams and enough people around the NFL. He's got what it takes. And you still see. There's a lot of garbage quarterbacking being done in the NFL right now. So there's going to be teams that need quarterbacks a year from now. Cam has shown enough that he can get the money. I wanted to get it in New England, but he can get the money anywhere at this point. Don't shortchange yourself. Pat's Chiefs coming up Sunday at 425. Let's get to first impressions. First impressions. My first impression, unfortunately, is that New England is going to lose. And that this game really comes down to who can force whose tempo and whose style on the other. It reminds me of a college basketball game in the NCAA tournament. Now, I grew up in Albany, and Albany got to the NCAA tournament five, six times in the last 15 years. And they almost beat, number one, UConn as a 16 seed. They almost beat Florida as a 16 seed. They were in a game with, with Duke. And the only reason they were in those games, it wasn't because they were equal athletes. It wasn't because they had great shooters. It was because they were able to slow the tempo down and impose their style on the higher seed. That's what New England has to be able to do. If they want to win, they have to be able to impose their style. Now, everybody says that the Patriots should just play keep away and just try to run the ball, 14 play drives, 12-minute drives, keep Mahomes off the field. Obviously, it would be great if you could do that. I'm not concerned with playing keep away. I'm concerned with frustrating the Chiefs, converting third down and two, not converting fourth in inches, forcing them into a rare three and out. The longer the underdog, and the Patriots are a seven-point underdog as we take this, the longer the underdog keeps the game close, the higher chance of frustration. When there's a higher chance of frustration, there's a higher chance of Irrational decisions, irrational play, penalties, frustration penalties, bad turnover. If the Patriots keep the game close and keep Kansas City from blowing them out, the frustration can mount. That is what New England needs to look at. Everyone wants the Patriots to play keep away. Bill Belichick said he's not concerned with keep away. Aaron, let's hear what Bill had to say this week. So It's not as important as scoring points, so... Ultimately, this, the game is going to be decided by you know which team has the most points, um, not who has more first downs or who has more time possession or you know whatever other stat you want. So, Fox Sports Radio's Colin Cowherd he thinks, by the way, that the Patriots can beat the Chiefs, and he thinks they're one of only two teams, along with Tampa Bay, in the league that can actually do it. Cowherd's got the game plan for this matchup. Aaron, let's hear Colin Cowherd number two. Vegas sees that. What do you think the line is for New England at Kansas City?
2: It's seven. That's all it is. It's seven. Because they know Patrick Mahomes is going to be under duress and Belichick's going to drop that amazing secondary back into coverage and they're going to pound and pound and pound the ball and keep Patrick, at least for a little while, off the field.
0: I disagree with some of what Colin said. I do, he, Colin's big thing this week was that he thinks – that the Patriots' defense can really get a pass rush after Mahomes. I don't see it that way. The Patriots' defensive line gets after the quarterback a little bit. I wouldn't say that it's great. They made some headway last week on Derek Carr. And with that, quote, great secondary, which is the best part of the Patriots' game, they get shredded by Seattle. Shredded by Seattle. And Russell Wilson's excellent. Patrick Mahomes is also excellent. Patrick Mahomes' receiving unit, his running backs are just as good or better than Seattle. They're certainly faster than Seattle. So if Russell Wilson can shred the secondary, why wouldn't Patrick Mahomes be able to shred the secondary? What Kansas City needs to do is come out and start fast. We talk about, again, imposing your style on the other team, imposing your will on the other team, imposing your tempo on the other team. If KC starts fast, 13-0. 17-3, it's over because Seattle's defense is bad enough. They're last in the league. They're bad enough to let a double-digit deficit slip away and let you be close. Kansas City is not going to do that. Okay, Kansas City is notoriously slow starters. Get down double digits against Houston last year in the playoffs. Get down other times last year, force Mahomes to come back. Start slow. Even this year, start a little bit slow. If Kansas City starts fast, we know they're going to end fast. If they get up thirteen nothing seventeen three, their their foot's on your neck. You are not coming back from that. Teddy Bruschi, former Patriots linebacker, multi-time Super Bowl champion, he told Wei this week. Even he doesn't think they're going to win.
1: This is going to be hard for the Patriots to win. Oh, I mean, I usually say my pick for Sunday NFL Countdown, fellas, but I'll, I'll probably go with the Chiefs on this one. I think that it's what I mentioned earlier on, fellas. That that middle of the Patriot defense with Bentley and Duggar and those type of guys and how they deal with that type of complexity coming at them. And then all of a sudden you got Sherman in the red area with a wonder, with a under underhanded throw. It's going to be real tough for him.
0: I also want to bring in our producer now, Aaron Wells, to talk to him about this because Aaron, now Bruce, says he thinks that they're going to lose. I think they're going to lose also. I also think there's going to be a bit of gamesmanship here. From Belichick, and I want your opinion on this because Belichick has shown obviously that he's a good enough coach to stop any offense. We saw him beat the greatest show on turf. We saw him a couple of years ago take Sean McVay out of his element and beat the Rams in the Super Bowl. He has proven he can stop an offense like this. I don't think he's going to show everything here against the Chiefs offensively or defensively. I don't think he's going to go into this game and punt it but I also don't think that he's going to sit here and throw the kitchen sink at him because he might need the kitchen sink again in January.
1: Right. So I think what what will happen is if they're in it late, you'll see some stuff that, that maybe they didn't necessarily want to show, but otherwise they're really not going to give anything. They haven't yet this year. Every week they've come out with a completely different look. Um, and the stuff they're using in January – if they're still around, might not even really be in the system yet. They, they may have adjustments down the line. But no, I don't think against Kansas City, uh, Bill's going to show his hand this week.
0: I don't think offensively McDaniel shows everything. Again, if the Patriots are going to beat the Chiefs, they have to throw the kitchen sink at them. I just don't think it would be smart to do that. A week four win, well, it would be great if you could beat Kansas City. A week four win is not going to make or break your season for the Patriots. They've got a winnable game against Denver coming up the week after. They're going to beat the Jets twice. They're going to beat Miami again. I mean, the Patriots' path to at least seven wins is right there. I think they could beat the Chargers. I mean, they're already closer to a playoff team than maybe we thought at the beginning of the year. Why go and put everything on tape? It just doesn't seem the smart play. And while Belichick, again, he won't punt it, especially defensively, I don't think he's going to bring all his best stuff.
1: They don't have anything really to prove to themselves this week. They played really well against Miami. They were able to win an ugly game against Las Vegas. They almost came back against Seattle. I think right now the Patriots know that they are a team that can be good if they play their cards right. So trying to throw everything at Kansas City this week to win this game is not necessarily worth the ramification
0: down the road. What's your gut on this game right now? What's your first impression?
1: I mean, I agree. I don't think the Pats are necessarily uh, winning this week. I, my hope is that they play respectably so that it's not necessarily any kind of uh, momentum issue moving forward. It's not like a complete blowout or something where the Patriots can't even get a game plan working at all. But, I mean, it's going to be a week where we're going to hope for a moral victory, probably.
0: Well, Bruce, he said, ironically enough, after that cut, you know, when we ended it, he said, "There's no, you know, there is no moral victory for the Patriots." I actually do think that there would be a moral victory for the Patriots if they can keep this close because they'll continue to show that they are, you know, that they're capable of playing with the best teams. All right, let's get to the opponent spotlight. Opponent spotlight. For me, this one's all about Clyde edwards hilaire the running back who the Chiefs took at the end of the first round this year. You're going to hear a lot about the Chiefs' team speed, especially a wide receiver. You're going to hear a lot about Tyreek Hill, Nicole Hardman, Travis Kelsey at the tight end position. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire might be the bigger worry of all of them. Actually, he's the biggest worry for the Patriots. No, might. He's the biggest worry for the Patriots. The Patriots' weakest group on the field defensively is linebacker. That's not even close. Okay, Losing Hightower to opt out. Losing Chung, who plays a hybrid safety linebacker position to opt out. Collins, Van Noy, Landon Roberts, experienced and good linebackers all gone in free agency. Jawan Bentley was exposed in that Seattle loss. The Patriots don't have linebackers that can keep up with speed in the middle of the field. And Edwards Hilaire is going to dominate the middle of the field, both with his legs on the ground and with his legs in the passing game. In that impressive win on Monday Night Football against Baltimore, 25 touches, 134 total yards. He had 70 yards receiving. I mean, they find a way he, you know, Edwards Hilaire gets the ball when teams blitz. Edward Hilaire gets the ball on the run. I mean, he's, th- he's the offensive rookie of the year front runner. He's got 250 yards nearly on the ground, and he's got 100 yards receiving. He's 114 yards per game total. I mean, he would be, he'd get over 1,700 yards from scrimmage. It's a lot of numbers. Bottom line is this, Edwards Hilaire is a stud, and he is a guy that's going to be able to, Work the middle of the field, and if he gets past, if if he's running and he gets past the the front line there, the front four, he's going to be running all day into the secondary because the linebackers are by far the weakest group of this Patriots defense. If you're telling me that this guy is going to get 1,700 yards total from scrimmage, you're talking elite player category there, like elite production there in an offense of an offense full of elite producers, he's going to be right at the top as the most dangerous weapons. Look for Clyde Edwards. If the Patriots take away Kelsey or try to take away Hill, Edwards Hilaire is going to be even more open, and he's going to do some real damage. All right, let's get to our guests. I want to go out to the Believe in Chiefs guys, including Joe Valerio. So Joe Valerio played uh, a bunch of years in the NFL. He was a former second-round draft pick. He was Mike Vrabel before there was Mike Vrabel. So let's get to the Believe in Chief guys. All right, now I want to welcome in our guests, Jeff Fidoten and Joe Valerio, their hosts of the Believe in Chiefs podcast. Jeff, I believe, is a voting member of the Pro Football Writers of America. Do I have that correct?
3: That is correct. Thanks Thanks for having me, Brady.
0: Appreciate it. And Joe is a former Chiefs offensive lineman, former second round draft pick, catcher of touchdowns, Joe Valerio. Oh, uh,
3: every
2: lineman's dream. Every lineman's dream, Brady, just like Eric Fisher last week.
0: Four touchdowns and four career catches. You were Vrabel before Vrabel, I was just saying.
2: I was Chris Carter before Chris Carter was
3: Chris Carter. <laughs> All he does is catch I touchdown. only
0: touchdowns. <laughs> I
2: and I only had 193 to go to catch Jerry Rice. So I was on I was on my way. They just, you know, cut my career too short.
0: You know, I got to ask you because you played your college ball at Penn in the Ivy League. Were you the original Ryan Fitzpatrick? Where they would point out that guy, he went to Penn, he went to Ivy League. He's really smart. Yeah, Chris Berman got a kick out of it because he was a Brown
2: grad. So he always, he would always find a way to, you know, he started, it started with Steve Jordan, right? He always would, he would always catch Steve Jordan. You know, he'd say, Steve Jordan Brown. (laughs) <laughs> and uh so he he yeah, he liked those those Ivy League guys and and Nick Lowry was another trailblazer, he was one of the kickers with the Chiefs obviously he was a Dartmouth grad. Brent Novoselski was a tight end, came out right before I did. So yeah, I had a lot of a lot of trailblazers to follow.
0: Well, Jeff, I'll start with you and ask you just what's your gut feeling on this matchup? I mean, the Chiefs are so good, they're so balanced, they're so good offensively, but They've had trouble with the Patriots at times in the past. So what do you think of this game when, you know, on initial glance?
3: Yeah, uh, and for that reason, uh, I think it's hard to go against the Chiefs, against any opponent right now. They're just so good, not just Mahomes, but just everywhere. How do you beat them? I mean, you limit Mahomes, and then Butker hits 258-yard field yeah. goals to beat the Chargers. Uh, but I do think the points you mentioned uh, are, are are great, and the the Patriots will represent a real challenge, especially – Chiefs have done so much well, but you know that at times they've had trouble stopping the run. And the Patriots, their great rushing offense, I believe is ranked uh, number one in the league, will present problems. And of course, Belichick always has something that you don't prepare for. So I do expect a real close game
0: here. Jeff, I'll stay with you again on that thought. How about the the play calling of Andy Reid? Because we saw. Kansas City go in on opening day a couple years ago with Alex Smith and win by 15 against uh, uh, against Bill Belichick's defense. We've seen them go into Foxborough and put up a ton of points, even though there was a game they blew a couple of years ago. What is it about Andy Reid's play calling that makes it so good, that makes him so creative?
3: I mean, they pull plays from anywhere and everywhere. They're so good. Everyone remembers the uh, goal on play in the Super Bowl that they pulled from the 1948 1948- Rose Bowl. Uh, yeah. Just he's just kind of like a mad scientist, and the the stuff they did against Baltimore was incredible. Not only we mentioned that Eric Fisher going Joe Valerio like catching the touchdown pass, the tackle eligible play, but then the underhand shovel to uh, the fullback Anthony Sherman going through a vacated hole. Um, and that one was actually one they tried against the Patriots in 2018, and it, it didn't work. So if anyone's is uh, good at snuffing sniffing these out, it's it's certainly the Patriots and Bill Belichick.
0: Joe, you played early to mid-90s in Kansas City and then later with the Rams. Did you ever go up against the Belichick defense when he was in Cleveland?
2: Um, we played the Browns, I want to say, what, 1991 or two, my rookie year. I got to be honest, Brady. I'm not sure if Belichick was the D coordinator at that point because that was you know that was just a very short time after Marty left, right? Cleveland to come to Kansas City, so it's hard to remember if if I did, I'd have to I'd have to look that up. But look, anybody who plays against a Belichick defense is going to go be going against a well well oiled machine and and a well taught team. And you know I think that's the thing that you know going back to what Jeff was talking about Andy Reid and that question and having watched him for so long in Philadelphia, you know, growing up here and living in living here most of my adult life, other than my six years in Kansas city is what Andy Reid does. Just like coach Belichick does. I think what they do is they build, they build their playbook around their talent and their players, skills and abilities rather than vice versa, you know, rather than just, okay, I've got a playbook. I'm going to go out and try to find the right player to fit my playbook. And I think that's what I think both of those coaches do. And that's why the, you know, the Patriots are NFL royalty, right? I mean, there's a championship DNA that Bill Belichick has instilled. And I don't care how many people are left. And you know, if you want to talk about the people that are here and not here uh, with New England, they have championship DNA. And that means something in the NFL uh, when you're
0: going up against the Chiefs this week. Do we as fans make too much of the short week theory? I mean, everybody wants a point and say, hey, the Chiefs are better, but the Patriots have an extra day to prepare. And the Chiefs had the short week and they played on Monday Night Football. Is that a real thing?
2: Today's environment? Absolutely not. You know, I would say 20 years ago, Yes, it meant something because the way the teams prepared then, you know, where you had your very schedule, okay, we're going to do Monday film, Tuesday's the day off to get the rest, Wednesday, hard day, full scrimmage, all out, Thursday, half scrimmage, you know, get a lot of special team stuff in, but you're still hitting, you're still doing your goal line stuff, you're still going relatively live, Friday, light day, Saturday, travel. Like, it was very scary. Today... These players, it's so mental, um, and these players are so fine-tuned coming into the season um, physically that I, I, I think that has kind of gone out the wayside because I don't think anybody's hitting during the week anymore. It's all mental, yeah. right? It's all timing and everything. So that extra day, I don't think it means as much today as it did 20, 25 years ago.
0: Jeff, I've seen this happen many times in baseball, right? guys on a rookie contract. He's an elite base stealer. He runs around, steals 40, 50 bases. Then, boom, signs a big contract, and the team doesn't run anymore because they don't want him breaking a finger. They don't want him getting stepped on, breaking an ankle slide in a second. Mahomes signs a deal worth half a billion dollars. Has the offense changed it all to keep him safer? Are, Are they playing different than they played when he was on a cheap deal?
3: Uh, I don't th- think at all. In fact, if, if anything, for the first couple games, especially against the Chargers, uh, there were some actually pressure issues. They did a great job. Their offensive line against the Ravens didn't allow a sack, which is kind of an overlooked uh, statistic in why they were able to beat uh, so soundly a very good Ravens team. But they they were getting a lot of pressure and a lot of hits on the homes. Um, so, yeah, they, they haven't changed that at all. He's doing a terrific job of getting the ball out quickly. So I don't think that's going to be too much of an issue, but I don't think it's anything uh, contract related they you know
0: a- at all. Jeff Fidoten, Pro Football Writers of America, Believe in Chiefs podcast with the answer to that question. Now Joe Valerio, former Chiefs offensive lineman. Matthew Slater, the Patriots, said this team has no weaknesses. Now, maybe that's just players speak mm-hmm. because they don't want to give bulletin board material, but – is there a weakness or a hole to exploit on this Chiefs team?
2: Yeah, I think I think their secondary still with the injuries, with the lack of you know uh, veteran experience, got some younger players in there. I think that if they if Bill Belichick's going to try to expose one thing, he's going to go after the secondary, and he's going to complement that with you know the run. I, th- I think the Chiefs still struggle a little bit against the run and and you know you'd think with the defensive line they've put together they they'd be a little bit stronger they they've shored up some holes at linebacker but I think it's first it's he's going to attack the defensive backfield and then he's going to see what he can expose there and then he's going to run the ball and he's always had great teams that can run the ball. He's always had well-coached offensive lines that can shield, get in front, open holes. You know, he never had, you know, a couple of times he's had the, one of those star running backs, but he's always done it by a little bit by committee, but he just knows how to expose, you know, the weaknesses offensively. I, I don't think they do. I think their <laughs> offensive line is playing really well. They made a good pickup with Remmers in the offseason to cover for Wiley's injury. I, I think, I think offensively there really isn't a weak spot. I think, their exposure is definitely on the defense and he's going to have to score points to, follow, to win. To, fo-
3: to follow up on Joe's point. Cornerback um, is really interesting to watch because they lost a good player last year. Kendall floor signed with the yeah. Washington football team in the off season. And then another guy who's going to get some time, Alex Brown tore his ACL. Then Bashad Breland, who had a really good game against the Patriots last year, def- deflected that last uh, second uh, pass to Edelman that could have, uh, yep. tie the game, uh, also had an interception. He's on a four-game suspension. And then Charveris Ward broke his hand. Ward's back now. But Legerius Sneed, who is a rookie and playing great, he already had two picks, uh, broke his collarbone. So their cornerback, they're very thin. Uh, Rashad Fenton's been playing well, but that's a very thin, perhaps, danger area that they mm-hmm. potentially could
0: exploit. Joe, I've heard two very, very different schools of thought on how the Patriots should attack the Chiefs. One side says the Patriots should run the ball, play, keep away from Mahomes, try to have 14 play, 10 minute drives to keep them off the field. And the other side of the coin is they should be ultra aggressive. Don't be afraid to take chances. You've got nothing to lose. Just go in. Don't play careless, but don't play too conservative and play scared either. What's the best methodology to try to beat the Patriots or try to beat the the Chiefs, rather?
2: As a former player, I want. I want to go into this game, and I want my coach, right? I want Coach Belichick. I put myself in the Patriots' uh, seat. I'm in. I'm in their uniform right now, wearing the blue and red. I want him to go with our strengths. I want him to expose their weaknesses with our strengths, and I want him to play his game. I don't. I don't think Coach Belichick needs to do anything differently other than continue to coach the way he coaches, expose the weaknesses. And I think he goes for it. I, I think he just – he uses a game plan that's going to be a combination of those things. I think he's going to have to run the ball to expose some of the weaknesses they have in the run game. I think he's going to have to – like Jeff said, I'm going to go right with Jeff's going to attack those corners, whether it's play action or whether it's – you know – Trying to stretch the field both vertically and horizontally to expose either man-to-man coverage or how well they can they can gel in in zone coverage. So I think he's I think he's first going to I think he's going to go right after them with the pass. I think he's going to attack them, attack mm. pass, pass, pass. Get Cam, get that gun, you know, fired up, and then and then he's going to try to run the ball to take it to put him off guard, and then and then he's going to kind of see where it goes from there. What did he have the most success with coming out of the halftime? And I think he'll be that's exactly what he's going to do.
0: Jeff, a a little while ago, I kind of compared this to a college basketball NCAA tournament game where you see the 16 seed playing the one seed. And to me, those games are all about which team can impose their style on the other team more. Like, I think the Chiefs need to come out fast and try to make this a track meet because they will win a track meet. I think that the Patriots, on the other hand, I don't think they need to take the air out of the ball and be ultra conservative, but I think their strengths are running the football. And I think the longer they can frustrate the chiefs and keep it close, then the later, the better the chance may be for a chief's mistake at the end of the game. Do you see tempo as being a huge part of this game? Totally.
3: And and you made great points. And when you were on our show, believe in chiefs, you made a great point that like the Patriots aren't great at necessarily coming back from behind. That's not really how their uh, team, their offense is designed this year. So yeah, Slow, grind it out. That's with the occasion, like Joe said, to mix it up, some big plays here and there. But yeah, if you get into a, a track meet, that's that's not the type of game that that's going to favor the Patriots.
0: Absolutely, Je- Jeff. It hasn't been the case as much this year, but we saw it in the Chargers game, and then last year we saw it in the playoffs multiple times. Why have the Chiefs had a propensity to start slow? Because if if it's if they start slow and the Pats are up ten nothing, well, they might not give Mahomes a chance to come back.
3: You know, it's interesting. That's been a thing throughout the playoffs last year, um, and, and throughout last season that uh, I think sometimes Mahomes, as great as it can be, can be a little off early. And if you look statistically, the quarter to look out to look at is really the second quarter. They just that's where they always blew up against that the Raiders. They had twenty eight points last year. Yeah. Um and they had that in a lot of games, including against the Ravens. Uh, that's really when they blew the game open. You look at the rest of the quarters it was pretty even. So for whatever reason, uh, that second quarter is really when it's, it's rolling all cylinders. So that's, that's the key quarter for the Patriots to really clamp down on.
0: I I
2: think Brady, I was, I'm sorry, I just want to dovetail what Jeff was saying. I think their playbook's too big. (laughs) I I really do. I think it's too big. And I think, I think it takes them a little while to figure it out. I think they have too many plays. I, I, you know, it's not like the old days where, you know, you had, you know, 20 plays in the playbook and you figured it out, you scripted your first ten. You know, Eric Bieniemy and Andy Reid have a giant playbook. They even talked about it this week, right? Would they call that play "hot sausage" or something? Yeah, <laughs> the, the <laughs> Sherman.
3: Yeah, right. <laughs> so you know,
2: they, they've just—I think it's—it just takes them a little bit of time to figure out what's working because they have too many plays to pick from. That's my opinion.
0: That's that's really interesting, Joe. I could see that too. Yeah, Joe, I want to ask you this as a question for an offensive lineman. We, we as fans who don't know any better, just assume that all offensive lineman positions are interchangeable. If you can play left guard, you can play a left tackle, you can play center. Joe Tooney last week for the Patriots, he moved over to center in replacement of David Andrews, who's on IR now. And I don't know that we gave him enough credit for that or the broadcast gave enough credit. How hard is it to slide over, even if it's just one spot, but to move a position on the offensive line?
2: Well, I know some of my center friends are going to tell me, they're going to yell at me. Tim Grunhard, you know, was a longtime starting center, a good friend of mine, played with in Kansas City, and, and there's a lot of great centers out there. Center's the easiest position to move into, other than the snapping, okay, because that's that takes a little bit of a skill that you have to, especially if you have a, a heavy gun team, right, where you got to do shotgun. But center from an actual playing the position, it's easier to move from the outside to the inside because you've got bumpers, you've got guardrails, okay, so when you're either doing slide protection or you're doing Zone blocking—you've always got somebody on your, on, you know, on on your right or left to help you out, right? I think so. It's a lot easier to go from the outside to the inside because when you go from the when you go from outside, inside to outside and you're playing out in space against the Frank Clarks of the world, I go back to my era, the Derek Thomases of the world, the Chris Dolmans of the world, the Leslie O'Neill's who can do all kinds of things out in space. When you get out there, that's a whole nother skill set than when you're inside, guard to guard guard, center, guard, and you got those bumpers on you. Um, So I think it's a little, little, it's, it's, I'm not taking anything away from people that go back into the inside. It's just a little, it's a little easier to go in from a not losing the game perspective, right? You're not going to lose the game. You can lose the game. If you have a center or a guard that has to go out and play left tackle, you can lose a game. That can cost you one.
3: Brady, nobody is better than – And a perfect question for Joe. Joe is Mr. Versatility. He started at every single position on the offensive line during his chief day. So a, he's the expert at this.
2: Well, I thank you for that, Jeff. But I'll <laughs> tell you, what is hard these days for those guys on the interior that it got a little bit harder as I was playing and it's gotten harder is the size and athletic ability of those interior tackles. Holy cow. I mean, today, i got to be honest, I think I'd much rather go against – It's going to sound crazy. Derek Thomas type player or a Frank Clark. I, I personally, with my skill set, I'd rather go against one of those guys than an Aaron Donald. He's just he's he's too big. He's too strong. He's too fast. He's too everything. He's a one man wrecking machine. So like, I I think there is some definite different skill sets. You got to be a little more stouter when you play inside now on the interior because of those types of players that they that they're sticking in it. You know, they're even playing like. JJ Watt a little bit more at yeah. defensive tackle because it's so hard to it's so hard to block those stout guys.
0: I want to wrap up with you guys on this. Joe, last question for you. It's a different situation. Kind it's a different situation because he was a more established Super Bowl champion than Cam is who hasn't won. But you saw Joe Montana at the end of his career come play for Kansas City, the franchise legend, discarded franchise legend who goes to the new team, similar with Cam and Carolina, in Carolina now to New England. What was what's the motivation level like? for that guy who gets discarded as a legendary status in one place and comes to a new place. What is Cam feeling right now cuz you saw it firsthand?
2: He w- he wants to show the doubters. He wants to show the people that maybe he was in the wrong situation, maybe he had the wrong coaching, maybe they had the wrong playbook. He's going to he's going to try to show fans and himself, most importantly and his teammates that he is in the right spot and that the coaches are going to take advantage they wanted him they brought him in and he you know B- Bill Belichick is going to he's going to give him all of the uh, the playbook that that fits his strengths and that's what Bill Belichick is great at and that's what he's going to do. he's going to want to prove That he can still do it because that's what the great competitors do. That's what the Cam Newtons, the Joe Montanas, the Brett Favres, the Tom Brady's of the world. That's what they do. They they're never satisfied and they always want to show everybody that they can still play and they still got it. And I think that's what Cam's doing right now. And I think Bill Belichick's taking advantage of it.
0: Former Chiefs offensive lineman, also played with the Rams. Four touchdown receptions in his career. That was Joe Valeria. Also Jeff Van They're the they're the duo of the Believe in Chiefs podcast. You can check them out every week on the Believe Podcast Network. It was a lot of fun, guys. Uh, my prediction on the game is thirty one twenty Chiefs. I got to assume you got the Chiefs winning. Also. I
2: I think Jeff's going to go with it because he went against us last week. (laughs) (laughs) Go ahead, ahead, buddy. I'll let you answer on that one then. Sorry, I didn't mean to throw that dig at my buddy.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Well deserved. Yeah, so I'm going uh, the same, like 30 27 Chiefs. I actually think Patriots with Belichick and the Patriots' strong Russian office, they're going to keep this close, but hard to go against the Chiefs. They're just, they had very few weaknesses and really firing on all cylinders last week. Yeah. I think it's going to be
2: a good game. I think it's going to be a well played game. If, you know, the team obviously doesn't turn the ball over, is always going to have an advantage. Hold off on the penalties. Uh, I think I think 31 21. I think um I think the I think the like you said, Brady, the Patriots are probably gonna slow this game down a little bit more than the Ravens did. Yeah. Because the Ravens were trying to, you know, they were gunning and gunning and gunning because that's what happens when the Ravens play the Chiefs for some reason. And and uh but I think the I think Bill Belichick's gonna have a great game plan to slow it down. It's gonna be like 31-21.
0: Joe, Jeff, Believe in Chiefs. Check them out, guys. Thanks.
2: Thanks, Brady. It was awesome. A lot of fun. Thanks for having
0: us, Brady. All right. I want to thank Jeff and Joe for joining us. They're the host of the Believe in Chiefs podcast right here on the Believe Podcast Network. A lot of fun with them. Uh, I had a lot of fun on one of their podcasts earlier this week as well. So uh, a lot of good stories. And again, he was Mike Vrabel before Mike Vrabel. Hey, so... There's the game. There's the Patriots and the Chiefs. And then there's the game within the game. And that I can't believe we're talking fashion here for the 2020 Patriots. Aaron, let's get to grading Cam's wardrobe. There's a rule in life.
2: Look good, feel good, play good. Yeah, look good, look good, play good, play good, play good, play good, play good live good. It's time for grading
0: Cam. All right, Aaron, so remind me here, Cam went in with the what was this? The gray look with the purple hat and the the kind of purplish undershirt. What was is that the look here we had this week?
1: Uh, I believe this week was the blue and the, the blue blazer, right? And,
0: oh, uh, oh, that's right. It was the blue blazer. That's right. He was looking like he had the Tar Heel blue on. That's right. I love the yeah. this one gets a C for me. By the way, this overall look gets a C for me. Also, I love the Carolina blue. The Tar Heel blue jacket's great. I'm not a fan of the hat. It's a cool color, but he looks like he should be at the Kentucky Derby. And the water bottle is huge. It looks like half a water bottle and half a giant nightlight your father would take you camping with.
1: Yeah, so I love the blazer, too. I'm not a huge fan of the hat. The water bottle is definitely goofy. I like the shirt, actually. I like the color combination. The uh, purple and green is kind of interesting. I agree with you on the pants. One of the things I think is, is problematic about this outfit is the vest underneath. It's really wide cut and it starts really low. It doesn't, it it just looks wrong. Everything about it to me looks wrong. The blazer I like.
0: I can't get past the hat and I can't get past the water bottle. The water bottle is ridiculous. I expect the thing to have a bulb on it and you to be able to turn a little lever there in the middle of it. And it's going to light up like a Christmas tree. I can't get, I can't get past the water bottle. It looks like, It looks like what your mom sends you to a youth game with, and the thing is just filled with ice, and you're going to have orange slices afterwards.
1: It looks like it might
0: have soup in it. Like, it might be a thermos. Yes, it looks like a thermos. That is what (laughs) Cam's water bottle looks like. All right, let's end the pod. Let's get to uh, Random Patriots Twitter takes. The internet is a weird place. Where'd you hear that? The internet. And you believed it?
1: Yeah. I can't put anything on the internet that isn't true.
0: Where'd you hear that? The
1: The
2: internet.
3: internet. Now it's Crazy Patriots Twitter Takes.
1: Doesn't anyone notice this? I feel like I'm taking crazy pills.
0: Random Patriots Twitter Takes. This one is good. This one comes from somebody on the internet named DZDo1 on Twitter. He says, Cam Newton sucks at throwing so bad that Bill Belichick, spelled wrong, Belichick, had to resort to just simple screens for him and the run game laughing my ass off so Aaron Cam is so bad at throwing that Bill Bilichek had to resort to simple screens for him in the run game that has nothing to do with Cam being a bad thrower that has everything to do with the Patriots not having receivers that could separate I mean if the Patriots receivers can't get open then you're not going to be able to send them down the field and allow Cam to get killed the only way to get them open is to dump it off to the running back before the defense can get there. DZ do one. This is why he's on the, the list this week.
1: Well, and regardless of what you've got for receivers or quarterbacks, if you can get nine yards of carry from your running backs, why would you ever stop giving the ball to the running backs? I mean, I mean, yeah, there are concerns about the wide receiver core, but I think canyon has been very good, and I think if you've got a defensive front that will give you that kind of yardage per carry – you just keep giving the ball away. You don't you don't worry about it.
0: <laughs> Burkhead was great. White is great and he you know, thankfully it looks like James White's gonna play this week. Michelle was really it was the best we ever saw him since the rookie year last week. So uh DZ do one crazy Patriots Twitter take for sure. The simple screen. You know, there's a saying if it ain't broke, don't fix it. The screen just kept working, so that's why they kept doing it. And if I don't have to try to get my bad separating receivers to try to separate, then I'm just going to keep doing what was working. You were right. Take what the defense gives you. This one was interesting. Some guy named Dane on Twitter. This one I don't think is a crazy take. This one I actually think is true. He says, the Patriots seem a lot more likable with Cam Newton now as their quarterback. Aaron, I'll start with you. Do you think the Patriots are more likable now with Cam?
1: Uh, Yeah. I mean, it's so... I love Tom Brady and I'm not one of the Patriots fans who resents him now. Um, but I do feel like there's definitely, it's a more fun atmosphere watching them play with Cam Newton's sort of body language and stuff. Like he's a, he's a fun guy. He shows up in you know powder blue blazers.
0: And, and thermos style water <laughs> <Yeah>. bottles. Uh, <laughs> um, I think that they're more likable, And part of it's Cam, but I think the bigger sense is that teams or other fans no longer view the Patriots as a huge threat. So the Patriots become a cuter story when there's not a guarantee they're going to roll your team. and
1: people don't hate them as much.
0: When you when you're a team that's pegged for nine and seven, 10 and six, where things aren't going to be easy, you're kind of a more underdog story. And cam's an underdog story in terms of his comeback from injury. I got to think that that makes you more likable, more endearing. And for the Patriot fans, the last 20 years have been set of expectations. And this year, the expectations are gone. Now you want them to win. You want them to play well, but the expectations are largely gone. And with that becomes a freedom. and, you don't look at every Sunday as as life or death. You look at every Sunday as fun. And so I think Cam being there has freed you from expectations. Brady not being there has freed you from expectations to the point where it's just a different fan experience. And I think that's welcome.
1: I would have been furious about the Seattle game during the majority of my fan experience as a Patriot, but I was actually really happy with the outcome. So there definitely is this, this different sense of expectations. You want them to have a good showing, And if they lose to a good team, it's not as infuriating. And like you said before as well, uh, I don't think there's as much bitterness from other fan bases, which makes it more fun to be around the Patriots organization, even if it's just as a fan from a distance.
0: Well, yeah, fans love an underdog story. And Cam is an underdog right now. He's a comeback story. So I think there is a degree of truth to that as well. Uh, My prediction for the game, I got the Chiefs winning 31 to 20. I don't think it's necessarily going to be that close. Actually, I think the Patriots are going to get a garbage time score um, to make it a little more respectable. I think the Chiefs are going to cover the seven-point spread, so maybe you can take that over to betonline.ag. So 31-20 Chiefs. Aaron, you got a prediction?
1: I mean, I got to imagine the Chiefs score at least 35 uh, against that linebacking core. Because like you said, with with, uh, with Clyde Hilaire, the young, the young running back, they can play the Patriots game and still be explosive. Uh, if, if they get dragged into that sort of clock game, uh, they can still do it. So I think regardless, they put up a lot of points. 35. I'll go 21. Just like, a, 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 <laughs> I think you have an accurate prediction for the Patriots offense.
0: <laughs> thanks to Jeff Fidot and thanks to Joe Valerio, former Chiefs offensive lineman for joining us. Aaron Wells, our producer will be watching Pat's Chief Sunday 425. We'll have our full recap next week as well. Thanks for listening. As always, go, Pat's.
3: Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies.